Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Versus Stars podcast. How my loyal listeners, thank you for your continued support. And remember, click that subscribe button, everybody. It's an amazing episode because Jennifer Ko boards the mothership. You know her as Chow from Kung Fu on the CW. Now come aboard as we go traversing the stars. Hello, Miss Ko. Thank you so much for coming to Traverse the Stars podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. Totally my pleasure. So I always start off with a question of inspiration. So what inspired okay. your love of acting and who your earliest influences? Oh, my gosh. Uh, my earliest influence has got to be, I mean, the Ghostbusters franchise growing up. I mean, I was just obsessed. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster when I was growing up. <laughs> I would always just dress up and pretend to to capture a ghost around the house uh, with my brother. And uh, what was the first question? How, how What was my acting inspiration? Uh, who your earliest influences? Yes. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Ghostbusters. And then I don't know if, if everyone remembers that show, Who's the Boss? But Alyssa yes. Milano was the girl in it. And I saw her and I was like, I want to be an actor. <laughs> she, was like, <laughs> she was just this spunky little tomboy, uh, you know, person. And, and I thought she was pretty cool. Well, those are definitely some good picks. Now, if I, if I read about you, um, at least what's correct, what I read about you, that you graduated from the University of California, San Diego with a BS in cognitive neuroscience and a law minor. I did. Holy Very useful crap. in my acting career. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you basically decided to go for some extremely hard level things to start off with and be like, eh, practice classes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought it was, you thought it'd be interesting. I love learning. I love science. I love learning about how the brain works and thought I was going to go to law school. Didn't end up going that route. Um, and, you know, if I ever get to play an, a crazy mad scientist or a, a doctor or a lawyer in, in a movie or a, a TV show, then, you know. I'll have the 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 jargon down. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, those are some extremely impressive uh, career choices to go to school for. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Very useful, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so when you decided, so you're moving, let's say when you're in college and you have your degree in neuroscience, you have your law minor. What happened that made you think I'm going to transition to acting, which is obviously a far safer career path? Oh, much safer, <laughs> much more stable. Like, you know, <laughs> definitely can know I can make a lot of money there. Um, well, you know, it was it's been quite a journey, I think, since I graduated college. It's it's interesting when you go away to school, right? You get kicked out of your house and you're like, OK, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're what, 19, 18, 19. So you mm -hmm. you choose a path. And then I worked in the corporate world for a little bit before moving out to Southern uh, Los Angeles. Um, and you know, I did the LA thing. I think what happens is you, there's, there's so much wonderful creative energy out in LA. Mm. And I, I started spending a little bit more time on set and, and my career actually started behind the camera as a producer. And, you know, next thing, you know, uh, one year, five years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I've always loved performing. I love storytelling and I wanted to jump in front of the camera. So, so that's how we went from neuroscience to acting, I guess in, in a nutshell, so how far ago then did the acting bug bite you? Uh, about five years ago. I mean, the acting bit bug has always probably been in my blood ever since I was little. I love just performing in front of people and things and just making up and telling stories and things like that. So it's always been there. It just, you know, never really came out until five years ago so, when I was like, oh, maybe I can do something with this. So what happened five years ago? Um. I don't know. I think it was just, you know, spending, spending more time on set. I have a production company here in LA and I was like, I loved storytelling and I always wanted to jump in front of the camera. And I'm kind of the type of person that is like, you know what, if not now, when? So mm. I was, you know, took the chance and, and leaped in front and it's been a really tough, but rewarding journey. And I continue to, you know, 
work hard and, and try to book more and do more interesting things. So how do you compare the challenges of acting to the challenges of neuroscience and law? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, Jeff, if I look back at any of my old like notebooks <laughs> from college, I remember I was sorting out some stuff in my garage and I was looking at my old test papers and stuff. And I, I mean, I couldn't even answer half of those questions now that were, mm. that were given to me on those exams. But I would say if I had to find a parallel between the two, it is discipline. A, a lot of, um, you know, hard work and discipline, people don't realize acting is just as much of a business uh, as anything. And you have to put in the work mm. and be dedicated and be disciplined. You can't just, you don't just show up and say, Hey, here I am, like book me. I'm 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 ready to, you know, be in front of the camera now. So if anything, um, if I have to take it's it's the work ethic and the the dedication um and the organization even that you learn from all your skills in college, from any of your corporate jobs that you ever do, and you're saying, and when you get to an actor, you're like, okay, I am a business now. How do I structure my day? How do I make sure I'm, you know, reaching out to the right contacts and how do I like build my resume? So mm. If, if I had to, I guess, find any parallels between these two, that would, that would, that would probably be it. <laughs> so now, well, obviously you were successful. You now recur as Chow on Kung Fu. Yeah. So how do you get involved with the project and what excited you about the project? Oh, wow. Well, I, I got involved with the project like any other, you know, uh, project I've been in. I, I got an audition for it. Um, and the casting director, bless her heart, she um, she was really rooting for me. I actually auditioned for that show 12 times for different roles. Oh, wow. um, and they, you know, they always say the right when the right will finds you. And I was so blessed because this was such a fun role to play. Um, but I got the audition. I, I taped it uh, over with a friend here. We do self tapes here and turned it in. And I was like, I think this is a good one. But, you know, you, you audition and then you throw it out in, into the mm. universe, try to forget about it. Um, but it was really exciting because I love playing bad guy characters. <laughs> I think everybody secretly wants to play the bad guy, too, or the mm. villain. And, um, you know, you just, you get to have a little bit more fun with it. So it really excited me learning about this character and her backstory and things like that. And, um, you know, you, you put it out there and you cross your fingers and, and hope that they, they like it. You know, I, I can't imagine how nerve breaking the, the racking that may, must be to do a video, send it out, and then either you'll hear something and maybe it's good or you're. I guess when you, it's, if it's not good, you just don't hear anything. <laughs> no news. <laughs> in this case, no news is not good news. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't really get any feedback because the landscape's changed quite a bit since the pandemic. Uh, we've always done what's called these self-tape auditions, but um, you know, now we don't go into the room at all or they haven't quite really started bringing people back. So you really kind of do feel like a little bit more isolated and on your own. You don't get feedback the same as you would when you're working with a casting director in the room. So, uh, so when you don't get the call back, how, like, do you know, are able to think about, is it the video or was it not the right role? And how do you mentally handle that? Uh, <laughs> how do you mentally handle that? That's a great question. <laughs> um, you know, I think you start to learn as you, as you do more of these year over year, you turn in your tape and, you know, you're, you're only human. You get attached to certain roles more than others, but you have to learn how to let it go because there's so much that's out of your control in the industry. And because I've worked on the other side of the camera as a producer, I've done casting as well. You just know it's like, yeah, there's so much that's out of your control, whether it's, oh, the other person that they booked is five foot five and you're only five, like whatever, five, two. So that doesn't quite work. Like there's just so many factors mm. that, you, that you can't control. So I always say, um, 
whenever I do have a, an audition, I like to treat myself. I'll just go get ice cream or something like that. <laughs> the audition and getting the audition is the gift, truly. I think you have mm. to put it, think of it that way because you got chosen out of thousands of people that could have read for a role and you got a chance to work and and show casting and you know the network what you've got. So, so, so when you get a role like Chow, how do, did they tell you anything about the character? How do you approach it and make sure Chow is yours and you can make it your own? Yeah, well, this one's really interesting. I got a little bit more information on this character than I, I do in, in a lot of roles um, because Xiao appeared actually in season two, who was played by another actress, uh, Vanessa Kai, who's absolutely so talented and wonderful. Um, so for this audition, they actually sent a clip of her, her performance in the previous season. And they said, okay, use this as a baseline, but don't, don't, feel like you have to mimic her and just make mm. it your own, but use this kind of as your baseline. So that was really cool to see somebody else playing the character and saying, we're going to bring this back and cast someone else. So let's see what you can do with it. Um, and so I actually ended up sending in two takes. One was more like that. And one was like kind of a little bit off, more off the cuff. Yeah. So uh, so Kung Fu, for those who don't know, is based on a 1970s television series. Yeah. So were you a fan or were you aware of the series when you auditioned for it? I actually, I, I wasn't, I wasn't quite born yet because it was, yeah, in the seventies, but um, you know, you do a little bit of research whenever you get an audition and you try to look up if there is a, if it's a remake or, you know, kind of what that is um, or you watch, uh, you know, episodes of old episodes to see what you're getting into. Um, but this, this remake is a completely different thing. It's completely reimagined um, modern day in San Francisco. It's not a, a Western uh, martial arts movie like the, like the seventies show was. So I didn't know too much about it, but I definitely looked it up and, and saw saw what it was about. So, Well, I mean, the show has an amazing cast. Um, just some of the people who are on it, Olivia uh, Lang, uh, I would probably get the name wrong, Z Ma. Olivia Lang, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone who knows the show knows I'm horrible with names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kim Rose is on it as well. So what, is the experience, what was the experience like on set with uh, these actors? And is it difficult to um, get the chemistry rolling as a recurring character? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like to say when you, when you hop onto a show that's been on for a few seasons, um, you're like the new kid at school. It's like your, your first day you come in with your backpack and you're a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, you don't know what it's going to be like, but this, this cast and crew has been so phenomenal to work with. They were so welcoming from day one and truly felt like a family. It was, it was so wonderful to step on a set and, you know, people introduce themselves and Olivia Lang, she, she even showed up to set on the day she wasn't working just to come hang out and say hi and, you know, check, check out the, uh, check the shootout. And this is the first time I've worked on a Asian led cast and it felt so cool. It felt really, really cool. Um, and a lot of the crew too, and, and stuff like that. So it was, it felt like family and they've created a really wonderful environment on that show. And I, th I think that's a, a great, and how, I mean, do you, is there pressure knowing that you are, you know, representing or have representation in it of an aging cast that's not as common on TV as it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're definitely getting there. Um, I don't, I definitely don't feel pressure. I just feel a great sense of pride, you know, being able to be on a show that's, that's you know, breaking boundaries and things like that. When, when, as a recurring character, you find yourself when you, when you're on the set, be like, go up to the room, like, hey, you know what? I have a great idea for other scenes of this character. You want to, <laughs> you want to do something? You no, know, it's, it is, it is actually such a collaborative process. You obviously can't like go straight too far from the tone of the show, um, but you try to stick to what you did in your audition because they obviously liked, you know, what you did there. Mm. 
And um, it is collaborative. You know, the writers are on set, the director's obviously there. And it's like, if you do want to try something different, at least on this show, it's been, they've been very open and, and receptive to that, which is, which is cool. Now, as once again, as someone, as when you're recurring, obviously there's things happening among the other characters between the episodes that you're on. Do you need, does the continuity of those episodes that you're not a matter and how you interact or how you understand a moment or a scene or a character you're playing against, or does that not factor? Well, I, I definitely think it does because especially for, for this character, for Xiao, she's the big bad of the season. So you need to kind of know what's what's been happening. Um, and this season, they spend a lot of the time figuring out, like, how do they defeat her? So it's important to kind of do a little bit of research, watch the episodes that that you aren't in. Um, we oftentimes don't get the script that we're not in, but it's good to see the episodes and and see where the characters are at with how they feel about your your character and things like that. And that that definitely um, that helps helps me prepare for for when I'm back on set again and filming. So have how do you develop your character over time across these episodes? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's it's moment to moment. Um, and what's really cool in TV is that the writers are so awesome. They're writing on the fly too. So a lot of the times you don't know what's going to happen in the next one. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it. So when you get to your table read and you're reading it through the actors, like it's fun to hear everything out loud. And then, you know, you have a couple of days, maybe a day or two, and you, you can sit with the material a little bit and kind of plan out how you how you think you want to approach uh, the material. And then sometimes you get on set and the director's like, yeah, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> They're like, don't do that. <laughs> think of what you know. When, when, when you play a villain, is, is it difficult to kind of like rein in the character a bit? and Or do you kind of just want to like just go into it full bore and just be like the villain? Yeah, you know, for this one, it was funny because I think I got some feedback after I shot the first episode and they're like, oh, we we actually love the direction that you went with the character. I, ke- I kept it a little bit more contained versus going too big and crazy. I don't know if you remember like Hela from um, from Thor. Oh, yes, I did. Blanchette, the <laughs> fucking best villain ever. Sorry, pardon my French. No, that's okay. Um, but she's so cool to watch. And I actually, I I study her a lot when I get villain characters. And, you know, depending on the show you're auditioning for, you kind of tone it up or down. But um, I didn't go quite as big, obviously, than that. But um, it's so fun. It's so fun to play a villain. I think we all secretly have a dark side. And it's just fun <laughs> to kind of, like explore these areas. And, you know, if you have a torture scene, you get to <laughs> torture people <laughs> and things like that. But, you know, obviously very different from who I am as a person um and you know when you call kite you're in this like deep dark space and you're like how was that everyone's <laughs> so when you're playing villain, I mean I assume you're you're not evil yourself I'm just gonna make the assumption so <laughs> assuming you... mustache twisting <laughs> right. yeah. so, so how do you like access a character like that and like where do you find that moment that where you can maybe not the word identify but at least um access it yeah, I mean, I think with every every antihero, every villain, anyone that does something bad never believes that they're doing something bad. They think they're doing something. They're they're doing something out of love or to you know revenge. But it's it's to them they don't view it as bad. So you never want to judge their actions that way. And so you just try to relate to you know why is she doing what she's doing what's been done to her in her past. Like if, you know, if you've ever been backstabbed, you know, by a friend or something like that, obviously you're not going to go about killing people (laughs) and like that kind of thing. But, you know, you just understand where your character's motivations come from and you never judge 
why what they're doing and why they're doing it as as something that's negative because it it's coming from a good place in their minds. So, yeah. Yeah, that's So really so someone who as you mentioned before, you are experienced as a producer as well. So not only you're an actor but you're also a producer. So when you and actually it's very extended uh, resume as a producer as well. So what what kind of deeper insights into acting the moment the scene does that give you or in the whole process that helps you in roles like this? You know, it's funny because your producer brain is so different from your actor brain. It's like two completely different sides. Um, and I would say, if anything, when I first started acting, I had to learn how to shut off my producer brain <laughs> because, you know, when you get on set, it's not, you You shouldn't be worried about, you know, is, are people getting their lunch on time? And, and, and like, you know, are, is, is the crew doing what they're supposed to be doing? And, is everyone happy that way? So I, I actually had to learn how to turn off my producer brain um, when I started acting. But if I could say anything that's it's really helped me is having such exposure behind the camera from from everything that goes on behind the scenes. It really helps me appreciate the cat the the crew. I mean that works so tire tirelessly to to make this thing, and you know just from all the people above the line and all the way down to your like PAs. It's just it truly takes a village to make something. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of all the work that pe these people put in. Cause I know, I know what it takes and I know what they put into it. So. Yeah. So what, cause you have this experience as the produce, as a producer and you're on many different sets, not just Kung Fu, but a bunch of others. Are you able to have, a, are you able to tell immediately what shows, episodes, programs, series, whatever are being done run properly are going to be successful and things like, are you saying they're going you're like oh there's some shit going down there but I'm seeing right. I mean it's funny because like I said I have to learn off to turn turn off my producer brain because ignorance is bliss as an actor you don't want to be kind of distracted by by any of the behind the scenes shenanigans um but you know sometimes you know stress sets are very high stress places so much has to get done. A lot of money's on the line and you never have enough time. You're always running out of time. You're like chasing the sun or like, you know, you're already on your, your 12th, 13th, 14th mm. hour of the day. So, you know, sometimes you can feel that a little bit. Um, people get a little frustrated or you're, you feel, you know, that you have to rush uh, to the finish line. But again, I try not to let that affect my performance as much, but I'm a little bit more aware of it, I think, because I have done so much production. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you're preparing for the, your scene, are you, because I know I um, haven't spoken to uh, many actors doing, uh, doing my interviews. Some actors before scenes or get very private. They want to need their moment to get into the scene. Some are just naturally gregarious and they just snap in when it's time. Like, How do you prepare for that moment when you're on set? I think it it depends on role to role. Um, and I had to learn how to, you know, I'm, I don't need a ton of time, you know, by myself. I, I, I love like interacting with, with the cast and the crew and things like that. But I also think it just depends on what your scene is. If it's a very intense, emotional or that kind of thing, I think I would definitely need just a little bit of space to mentally, mentally prep and getting, getting into mm. that headspace. Um, on this show in, on Kung Fu in particular, it's just, it's been such a, so fun. So it's just like, you know, you know, being able to chat it up with, with people while you're, while you're there and not taking yourself too seriously has always been kind of one of my things. And um, yeah, so I, I enjoy kind of interacting with people and, and stuff like that. But if it, if it's a, if the scene calls for something a little bit more intense, I think I would probably take some time away. 
So if, if I read correctly, you are the producer and actor on an upcoming short called Trolled. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Trolled is coming out. That that should be actually coming out pretty soon. So yeah, our production company does does uh, some short films as well. We're trying to deep uh, dive a little bit more into the feature feature film world. So uh, yeah, that one's coming out. That should be fun. That's like a little psychological thriller. Did you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it? Um, well, Trolled actually is, you know, cyberbullying is very rampant in this mm-hmm. day and age. So it's it's a dark twist on on a you know a character that is a cyberbully, and you know the tables the tables secretly turn on him when he least expects it. So can't give away too much. <laughs> so what interested you in the project and to make you want to produce it and star in it, or well, star and act in it? Well, I actually I got brought in. It was a fellow uh, actor in in our class, um, and you know, uh, my, as my production company Sasha, uh, my producing partner Sasha and I, we we always like to take on interesting projects. A lot of times, obviously, if they're female minority led, we love to bring those stories to life. Um, but you know, just helping out fellow fellow actors, creators in this industry is really important to us. Cause I, like, and I said, you, you can't do this thing alone. And, um, you know, if there's an interesting story that has like a good political message and things like that too, we love, you know, we love to try to read those and see what we can do to help people make stories, um, come to life on the screen. So when, when you're making a short, like trolled is, is the film, the short film, the film, or is it a testing for a premise for a future film, full length films? How do, how, what is the goal of the short? Well, Trolled, uh, Trolled kind of lives on its own. This one lives on its own. A lot of times we do shorts that are proof of concepts for a feature maybe, or a TV show or a pilot. Um, but Trolled is its own little contained um, thriller. Yeah. So w- when you have a script like Trolled, I guess the question is, how do you know it's going to be good? Because sometimes, <laughs> I know sometimes things work on a script may not work on a film. Some things work better on film than it did in a script. Like yeah. what, are, what are you looking for in quality? You know, What's so interesting about filmmaking is, is that you need to, I think people need to learn how to let their expectations go because whatever you imagine it to be in your head never ends up being what the final product is. It's always a version of that. And if you are, if you can learn how to, you know, let your expectations go that way and and just know that the final products will always be a version of what you thought it was going to be, then you'll never be disappointed. Um, (laughs) Because it's, you know, it's it's really great. And you, you don't know, I mean, you do your best and try to put together the best cast and crews you possibly can. And the magic doesn't just happen on set. It's afterwards in the edit and sound and color and all these things that bring the final thing together. And at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is, is if you like it, that's all that matters. When you're putting your work out there, it's really scary and not everyone's going to love what you make. But as long as you're proud of it and you like it, that's the most important thing. So where could our listeners going to be able, where, where, where would they going to be able to find Trolled when it comes out? Um, we'll probably put it up on our YouTube channel um, once we can. I think it's going to run the festival route, so we're not quite allowed to make it public. But uh, I'll definitely let you know the the link once we have it and um, share other projects that we have coming up. And what you can watch now, which is really fun. I know Christmas is over, but Mom Fight is another really fun um, action comedy short that we did a couple years ago. That one's a fun short that's available to the public online as well. Very cool. You want to tell the listeners about that one? Well, Mom Fight is about a two moms who basically kick each other's ass <laughs> over the last kid at the as, over the last toy at the toy store. It's it's a fun, you know, like I said, action comedy short, uh, very much like Jingle All the Way meets Bad Moms, and. <laughs> Uh, I actually made that because I wanted to create an, an opportunity for myself to do more action 
mm. um, auditions. So, you know, we put pulled together a world-class stunt team and just came up with some ridiculous choreography and shot, shot this thing. Now, am I reading too deeply that I think it's an allegory for commercialism or how uh, people seek out uh, today's commercialism? Oh, you mean like the last last toy of the toy store? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I, I made a meme about it when in the pandemic when there was a toilet paper shortage and I put I put a toilet paper instead of the toy in the thing. Uh, but yeah, you know, like moms got to do what they got to do and for their kids. And a lot of times it's just that like tickle me Elmo, that that special toy at the end of the year and your kid, you know, your kid's going to have a crazy temper tantrum if he doesn't get it or he's super spoiled. I don't know. <laughs> No, that's a great meme. I, I must admit, I remember very cl clearly with the pandemic, me and my wife going out trying to find some, uh, rolls, some rolls of toilet paper and how many stores it took to find. It was Honestly, quite a thing. Who would have thought? I It's the most insane shortage in history, probably. That and Eggos. I right, right. But yeah. but I do remember that that was gold at the time. It was like you probably, yeah, could was, you could probably black market toilet paper. <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> you know, it's gonna be one of those weird stories that you tell years later to people. Be like, I remember when they're like, you guys were psycho. <laughs> crazy. They're pretty soon in the future we'll have robots that wipe our ass. So So actually, we we also forgot to mention um so kung fu too. Where can our listeners find that? Um, Kung Fu. So we just started up after our mid-season finale. We're on episode nine. You can catch up and watch every single season, every single episode on the CW um, app, CW Network. And uh, it's all available if you have your subscription. Actually, you don't even need a subscription. You can watch every single season, every single episode on CW. Very good. Ms. Ms. Coe, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for talking with me. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. All right. You too. Bye. Have a great night.